0: This is the best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at
1: capitalfinancialusa.com.
0: I am reading from Jonathan Jones, Timeline, CBS Sports. He covers the NFL. He's there in one of their insiders. They have many insiders there. Uh, Roger Goodell uh, and the owners have voted to approve. The changes, which means that we've got, let's see, a potential neutral site AFC championship game if the game involves the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals, two of those three, and depending on what happens in week 18. There's also a potential coin flip for home field advantage if the Bengals lose at home to the Ravens and they are matched against each other in the first round of the playoffs, which very well could happen in the 3-6 game. So we could have a coin flip determine. I mean, the Bengals have already been declared division champions, but could then be on the road, which would take us back to, like, 1974 or something silly like that. Anyway, uh, we'll do the round table right now. We're still waiting on Julian Council. Uh, he will be with us in a second. But Vashti Hurt, carolinablitz.com is with us, but we have to play the music for the roundtable. Camelot. Camelot. It's only a model. For I table. haven't been here for we're a while. I forgot for how to do, we're we're the teams teams to do this. guy's here. How are you, vashti Hurt?
2: Hey, Adam. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. Are you already in New Orleans, or whether are you headed down there?
2: Uh, actually, you know,
0: I'm not going to New Orleans this week. <laughs> Is this like the first road I, you know, game you've missed?
2: It is. No, I I didn't make it to Cincinnati. <clears throat> okay. Other than that, I've been at all the games. But you know, I I marvel at you. Yeah, by the way. I just I just I just decided to cover this one from home. They're gonna do a quick turnaround. The exit interviews started like eleven Ugh. on Monday, and it would ju- it would have just been too much. I felt like being there for the exit interviews would, was a little more important yep. than in there for a game that basically, I mean, what does it mean? Well, let me ask
0: about that. Do you think the outcome, the way this game is played, has any bearing on Steve Wilkes?
2: If you, in my opinion, Steve Wilkes won the job when the Panthers beat the Detroit Lions. Uh, for the Panthers to be in a position where they could play for you know a playoff spot against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week that that's a heck of a coaching job by Steve Wilkes to turn it around given everything that happened with trades and 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 coaching fires so I, I I don't see you know whether they win this game or not I think that should have no bearing on on Wilkes and his consideration for head coach. But I know the players in the locker room want to win this game right. for Coach Wilkes because they want him to lead that team going forward.
0: It's interesting to me that I keep reading a bit from Brian Burns, his desire to play this game. They can't, all they can do is hurt their draft pos- position. That's basically all they're going to do here. Yeah. Uh, the, the I think the, the highest in the draft they can pick is like 10th. So a win would hurt that, but... Uh, I appreciate the way this team has rallied around Steve and the way they play for him.
2: Yeah, it's it's very clear. Uh, a catchphrase that I hear a lot is leader, a leader among men. Uh, and the guys just really respect him and how he talks to them, how direct he is and and how he manages that that squad and Derek, uh, Derek Brown came out and flat out said that we want him as our next head coach. And uh, and he said he, you know, he feels comfortable that he's speaking for everyone in that locker room when he says that. So, you know, Brian Burns right now officially today is listed as questionable. But, you know, Coach Wilkes said during his pressure the today, they want to win that game. And that's their focus. They They really aren't worried about draft picks or draft stock right now.
0: Vash Carolina carolinablitz.com, at Keep Blitzen on Twitter. Julian Council now joining us, Locked On Panthers podcast, at Julian Council on Twitter as well. All right, you're close to the, uh, the to the team as well. Uh, your thoughts on what this game means to Steve Wilkes' future?
1: Yeah, hey, Adam, and hi, Vash. Vash is probably a little closer because she's in there talking to these guys every single day, but what she brought up is true. I mean, all these guys we talked about, Derek Brown, Brian Burns, I mean, Jack Thompson's probably been the most vocal throughout the period of Steve Wilkes being the interim head coach that he wants Steve Wilkes to be the guy and that they want stability. And what's important on Sunday is Steve Wilkes and this team finishing. And that's what he said after the game following the loss against Tampa Bay on Sunday, like, hey, we're going to finish. I, I'm not necessarily worried about we're not in the playoffs anymore. Like I said, when I came here I had 13 weeks to do it my way, and I'm going to do it. And this team is going to finish. That's what men do. So I think it's important that if this team comes out, plays well, fights again under Steve Wilkes to show David Tepper that even when they're out of it, even when there's nothing to play for, as we were going to say, this team still shows up and gives 100% effort. And that is absolutely a part of the culture that Steve Wilkes has been able to build over the last 12 weeks and 11 games here for the Carolina Panthers.
0: I'll start uh, this part with you, Julian. The fact that Tepper met with Jim Harbaugh, And I know it was not termed an interview, but they're talking about the Panthers' head coaching job, so we can call it whatever we want. Uh, Clearly, there is at least some interest, as uh, Darren Gant said, he is interested in jacking up his raise at Michigan. Uh, What are your thoughts on that meeting and its bearing on what happens next?
1: Well, Jim Harbaugh is, what, 44-19-1 when he was head coach to the San Francisco 49ers went to a Super Bowl, uh, went to two NFC title games outside of that. Every time they lost in his first three years, they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion. So he did a pretty damn good job with the 49ers, and I think David Tepper absolutely should be interested in a coach like that. And Jim Harbaugh, I've always felt, no matter the job that Steve Wilson's done, I think he's done an incredible job, and I think that he absolutely has earned the opportunity to be the Panthers head coach or a head coach of one of these 32 NFL teams. He looks, you have to understand like he should also be interested in other places and the other owners should also be interested in yeah. him. I don't think I know he's from Charlotte. I'm sure he would love to be here. I don't think he's just, you know, completely set aside just on Carolina in this job. But there's other jobs out there that he could. I think he's absolutely qualified for. But Jim Harbaugh is a fantastic head coach. And I know for a little bit there, people were talking about he should get fired at Michigan because he couldn't beat Ohio State. <laughs> and they hadn't lived necessarily up to um, the contract that he was given but they've been pretty darn good the last few years. So I, I don't think it's a bad idea at all to talk to Jim Harbaugh. I don't really know how interested he necessarily is in Carolina. There's obviously the connections there with the Broncos, and their new ownership, that has Stanford connections. Of course, he played. Uh, he did play briefly in Carolina, like six games in the one season. <laughs> in Carolina was 1-15 and even So I don't think he has fond memories of his time here in Charlotte. But, of course, Jim Irsay and him go back with his time with the Colts. I wonder, you know, how interested he is in that job. So, yeah, David Tepper should talk to Jim Harbaugh. He should talk to a lot of people and cast his wide of a net to make sure he gets this higher right because he got it way wrong the first time. Yeah. <laughs> you think? Uh, v- v-
0: Vashti, I heard. What were your thoughts when you read the story that Harbaugh and Tepper had gotten together?
2: I mean, a cap to me. I mean, I, I don't think – I think Jim Harbaugh is either driving his price up with – with Michigan or maybe potentially any of these other NFL teams. Uh, David Tepper has said that he wanted an offensive-minded head coach. He has said that in the past. um, And I really, you know, when Steve Wilkes came in, I didn't think that he would – I didn't think he thought Steve Wilkes would perform as well as he did um, to really get serious consideration. But this also low-key is giving me very Pete Carrollish vibes because Michigan is also under investigation. He is under investigation (laughs) for um, Mm -hmm. recruiting violations. So, you know, I don't know if – I don't think he's seriously interested in Carolina. I think he has closer ties elsewhere. But if he does decide to stay at Michigan, given everything that's going on right now, um, he's also in that area trying to drive up that price. I don't think coming here is really in his... I I think he has better connections elsewhere. uh, But... um, To have it out there and publicly released that he had a statement or he had a conversation with David Tepper. His people released that for a reason. And and I think it's really just to draw interest or see where interest is from other folks. I don't think he's seriously considering Carolina. By the way, I think you guys guys are
1: both right. Yeah, I think that's a great point she brings up there about the investigation. I think it was John U. Bacon, who's a Michigan alum, who's been reporting a lot of stuff on Jim Harbaugh, saying how Harbaugh. Kind of feels disenfranchised by the way things are changing in college athletics, and then what? Two days later, we see he's under investigation. So maybe that is why he's really interested in the NFL, so he can get away from uh, what potential penalties might be there.
0: Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on, or they just give you their money and let it work for them? About
1: 90%, give the money, and then we meet every year to, and go through status reports, sure. have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600 Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor.
0: Well, which is just like Pete Carroll. And by the way, yeah. if if... If there are any similarities between Jim Harbaugh and Pete Carroll, I'd be all for that. Seattle had a pretty good run for a long time under Pete Carroll. Carroll was, I mean, he was a pretty good coach. Now they uh, they had a great defense and a philosophy, which is sort of similar to Jim Harbaugh's philosophy. But he's not the offensive coach that people think. They do not have a wide-open offense. They have not been able to groom a quarterback since Harbaugh got to Michigan. I mean, it just happened. Haven't even haven't even come close to that. In fact, you could argue that their quarterback was directly responsible for TCU winning that semifinal (laughs) the other day. Uh, All right, let me get to what where the NFL is. Back to Julian. Uh, The NFL not only canceled Bills Bengals, which I'm going to guess we all agree was the right thing because we are human beings, Um, but they've also altered the playoffs where the AFC championship game could be played at a neutral site, depending on how things work out this week. And the Bengals, after being declared champions of the AFC North, might not host a game if it's against the Ravens if they don't win a coin flip. Thoughts on that, Julian?
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't really know what exactly the NFL was supposed to do. I guess they're trying to do what's the fairest. I do think it's unfortunate because is it possible for Buffalo to still host an AFC Championship game, or would that still have to be neutral?
0: Uh, no. If if Kansas City loses the game, well, maybe I don't know.
1: Yeah, I no, mean, no. I'm, still, I, I'm if, really just confused. If by Kansas it all, City
0: honestly. and Buffalo do the same thing, if Kansas City loses and Buffalo wins, then Buffalo would have a better winning percentage anyway, and they have the win over Kansas City. So, uh, if they both do the same thing this week, then. Um, it would be neutral site if they met. I, well, my feeling is I, you've I already know. got a rule. You you already have a rule, winning percentage. Just go with that. It's blind. Yeah. It doesn't involve any biases, people voting against other teams' interests. You already have a rule well, in place for COVID. Just go with that.
1: I guess the problem is, uh, didn't the Chiefs lose to both the Bengals and Bills? They did. So, yeah, so the Kansas City, to play with the Raiders, right, on Saturday, so that's a game that they should win, right. I would think. Did Kansas City um, but, lose
0: to the Jets, though?
1: Yeah, they did, but it's, also, it's it would be unfortunate <laughs> for Buffalo and Cincinnati that they end up not being able to get home field just because of a team they beat, got to play one more game because of what happened on Monday night. So I don't really know what the most equitable way to do it is. I think it's unfortunate also for like the fans, like the Bengals fans, who might not be able to be at home, I guess, for the Ravens game or whatever it is. So I don't know what the league is supposed to do. I mean, they make a lot of mistakes. I don't know if this one's one of them. They're just trying to do their best in what is obviously an impossible situation.
0: Changing the rules midstream has never has never been yeah. done. But again, they they put this rule in place during COVID because they assumed they would cancel games during COVID. For for it's been in place for two years. They they've never they didn't cancel any of those games. So I mean, were those rules going to be changed then? I just think that sometimes life is unfair, and we deal with it, and we just. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm
2: pretty- I agree with. I tend to agree with Adam. Um, you know, men. I say this a lot, but men lie, women lie. Numbers don't. If you can, if you can get something to numerically make sense, and like you said, Adam, winning percentage is non-biased. I mean, he, he, it, it is what it is. Um, it, I, I think that I don't know what the league. It's very confusing. I was reading it last night. I read it twice and still was like, okay, what are they doing? <laughs> So I, I agree that they, they could have probably just made it based off a of winning percentage. I think that they tried to go out of their way to make it fair, but they just made it confusing for everyone. I think they could have simplified it for themselves.
0: If they were really concerned about equity, we wouldn't have half the teams in the league playing eight home games and the other half playing nine. I mean, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there uh, as kind of uh, just, you know, let's just – Let's let's be equitable all the time, not just when somebody feels like they've been slighted. Uh, Vashti, I hurt Julian Council. Let's uh, let's just attack a little college basketball quickly. Vashti, I know you were at uh, Duke, either you were at or your camera was at Duke and State. What jumped out at you about that? Was it more about State or more about Duke?
2: I mean, listen, I yes, I was at I was at NC State. You're everywhere. Uh and uh State was just off jump. And even going through the warm-ups, they just were a hungrier team. And they came out and they knocked Duke in the mouth, and Duke just did not know how to react. Now, Duke, I, I think that, you know, obviously NC State has a very good backcourt and they showed how good they are in that game or they completely out outplayed the Blue Devils but Duke had no ball movement there was the offense was terrible uh and you know if if Jeremy Roach isn't really igniting that team i, I don't know who they have to go to uh uh to to try to get themselves going offensively but that was really a, a statement performance by the Wolfpack To Quarian Smith. He is a hooper and DJ uh, coming out of, (laughs) you know, a transfer out of Winthrop. He literally, honestly, he set the tone because he's the one, I think he scored, I, I don't remember who scored the first points, but then he scored the next six or eight points. Just bully ball in the post, and he really set the tone for how aggressive NC State would be for the rest of that game. So a statement went for them, but th- there are a lot of questions around John Shire right now and, and how he's going to get this this Blue Devils team on track. Jeremy, Jeremy Roach said the game against Boston College tomorrow is a must win. A must win against yeah. Boston College in January. <laughs> That's I mean, come on.
0: Well, I mean I mean he's right. Yeah. Got- he, he's right, but look, they've they played two road games against like I I happen to think state is good. Uh I don't know how good Wake is. I think I don't think Wake's bad, but I don't think they're good. Uh, I think state can be legitimately good i think they can be you know anywhere depending on i haven't looked at everybody's schedule i think they can be anywhere from you know eighth to fourth in the league i think they're mm-hmm. top half of the league team i don't think okay. the same thing about wake but that was a dominant performance and duke has not reacted very well on the road at all uh I know it didn't the outcome didn't you didn't hate the outcome Julian
1: well, no, I didn't hate that outcome <laughs> personally, but um, watching that game, it was certainly striking to see how State came out. And I believe it was Vashti, you had tweeted out when you were, I guess you might have been in the locker room talking to Quaydeon Smith, and he said that they wanted it more. You could see that. Yeah. From oh, absolutely. That him and Jarkel Joyner played, and they're going to give a lot of people in the ACC trouble this season if they're going to shoot that well, but also just the energy that they have. And they really feel like the first time Kevin Keith has had Two guards in that backcourt that play the system and style that he wants to play. And I don't think it's coincidental that they went out there and ran Duke out of the gym. Now, this is a Duke team that, again, is led by freshmen. It's They're very fortunate to have Jeremy Roach. If they didn't have Jeremy Roach, I don't necessarily know where this team is going to go. Like I still think they're going to be a tournament team. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think they have a very high ceiling this season. Because when you look at the roster, where's their palo? Right. I'm not gonna mention it's Zion Williamson because obviously, like he's a one of one. But where's their palo? Like where is even there like Jaleel Okafor? Like where is that dude on from this freshman class? Wasn't it supposed to be lively? Wasn't it supposed to be Dereck Whitehead? Like, it was supposed still, to be Whitehead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, but they haven't been that. And Whitehead shot the ball well um, the other night. It was pretty inconsequential considering they're getting blown out. But they have not shown that yet. And, of course, on the road, it's not a surprise. Even when Kay had these teams, Duke never challenged themselves in the non-conference. So it's hard to expect them once they get the ACC play to have really any success against any capable team on the road. And we've seen that for the last of decade. So it's not surprising to me that Shire, his, his rookie year as a head coach, and his team are having, are having struggles. So until they can find a guy who can really step up and be their go-to dude, I just don't think this new team is going to be one that's going to win the ACC and really make it out the first weekend of the NCAA tournament.
0: I think it's way more about personnel than it is not playing any non-conference road game. But um, I sure. do think it's see You don't
1: set your team up for success if you do that.
0: Well, I mean, they went like three years without losing a road game in the league and didn't play had the same scheduling philosophy uh, for a stretch during you know K's tenure. So... I just I think it's more about I I just think it's more about personnel than anything else, and some of these neutral site games, which I mean they're not they're not true road games. So, um, and I th- I think a neutral site game against the team outside of your league isn't an ACC road game, but that that's another story. I I also might not be right, which is also fair. <laughs> um, but, but I've always had that that mindset. I think it's overblown. Uh, let me ask you about the Tar Heels. Uh, Armando Bacot, and this will—I'll start with you, Vashti. Armando Bacot, after the game at Pitt, had some very, very pointed things to say about he used about the team. Maybe we didn't care. Um, You know, he talked about playing defense. Coaches prepared us, but the last couple of minutes, the last couple of seconds on defense, it's just one on one, and he was lamenting the fact that they couldn't close out that those possessions. Granger for the
1: ones who get it done.
2: I mean, that's been a catchphrase. Period. I, I think, uh, I think Hubert Davis called them soft during one of their halftime, one of his halftime um, uh, speeches. From from what I remember, I don't remember the specific game, but uh, yeah, he was talking to his team. His Tar Heel team, as coming into the season, had very high expectations, and they have, you know. What was expected to be the most talented backcourt in, in R.J. Davis and, and Caleb Love and then Armando Baycott, uh, a potential national player of the year. They, were, they have not lived up to expectations. There's something going on with that team chemistry wise. And I've been saying it ever since they went to the national championship. People have underestimated the importance of Brady Manic on last year's team. <laughs> there is nobody on that team with the heart and the grit that Brady Manic had. And he was kind of the glue and people thought insert Pete Nance and oh yeah, we can go and we can run it back. No, that's not the case. And so um, I think they have guys on the team with heart, but not collectively as a team. There's something going on where the chemistry is off. And, and, and it's affecting how consistent they are as a group. And and Armando, I, he's going to have to be that guy to say, yo, bro, like, what are we doing? We are not looking like the team that we're supposed to look like. And sometimes you have to do it in post-game interviews like he did then. They closed out the wake game, but that was at home. Um, and I don't even think that game should have been as close a, as close as it is. So so Hubert Davis and those guys have to figure out what's going on with the chemistry of that team so that they can get on track and potentially make the run that they were expected to make come March.
0: Julian, any uh any pushback yeah, on
1: that? No, well, the Britney Manic points, uh, it's a salient point for sure. I think um, Really, they miss Brady as a shooting because Caleb Love and R.J. Davis have not shot the ball well enough. Pete Nance has, at times, shot the ball well from three, but you know he's been up and down inconsistent. Now with that back injury, who knows Mm -hmm. how serious that is? But they miss Brady, I think more so for his shooting, also his movement without the basketball. Think about how many times you know these guys are cutting; they're not moving offensively without the basketball. And Brady, how many times did he cut to the basket and get you know a wrap around reverse layup? Like he was so good at that all season long. And, yeah, he was someone who was willing to call these guys out. It was early on in the season, like in December last year, after they played a terrible Elon team, my alma mater, and he was talking, hey, man, we should be a lot better. Like, I've never played a yep. team with this much talent. So I appreciate that Armando Baycott is stepping up and saying that. But this team, they, they need Caleb Love to start shooting ball well. He can't shoot this poorly. He's been a liability at times defensively. I know Hubert did say that Caleb played well in the second half defensively, and the Tariel team did. They turned Wake Forest over a lot, and I agree with Bass that the game probably should not have been closed. close. Considering Wake was t- turn it over from the get go, and RJ, we finally kind of saw that in the second half last week from the game against Wake Forest. And Huber said post game that's the first time that we've really seen RJ be RJ this year. So if RJ Davis can continue to be um, you know consistent like that, and you can get offensive Leaky Black, which you're not going to get what they got against Wake Forest consistently. With Leaky, I know he's kind of looks like he's got like an ankle or a foot injury. If that can kind of get healed up and patched up, they might have a chance. But I don't know, man. It's for me, I go back to. That 16 team that lost at the buzzer to Villanova, and they came back that next year, and they went out to Maui, and you could tell right then and there that they weren't messing around. Right, and Joel Berry, he you gone and said, like, "Hey, we went to Maui. We're, we wanted to win everything." Where is that from this team? Is this the team that said that we were one, re, one box out away from the national championship, and they started off the season getting out rebounded by Wilmington and Charleston? Charleston's a great team, but you're one box out away. That's when you're harping on all off season, and yet the energy and effort hasn't been there thus far. So I, I'm, I know they turned around late last season. The shooting hasn't been great. I don't know how much it's going to improve. It's, I'm really hard-pressed to believe that this team has another run in them because you just have not seen it from enough of these guys that really give like give a belief a factor to where like they're ready to go and redeem themselves. I certainly have not seen that, but I saw it very early on from that 17 team. You can talk about the '09 9 team as well.
0: That's Julian Council, Locked On, Panthers Podcast. At Julian Council on Twitter, proud Elon grad. Vash Diehurt, Carolina Blitz.com, at Keep Blitzen. Fantastic. Both of you, thank you. Uh, And let's be honest, they missed Brady Mannix's defense on Paulo uh, Bancaro, which is what won the game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I'm only half kidding. It's sort of like saying Kevin Love shut down Steph Curry on the final possession uh, that helped the Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Warriors in the NBA Finals that year. Uh, Best of both of you. Happy New Year. Talk to you soon.
1: Thanks. All right. Take care, Adam. You
0: got it. That was fantastic.